0: Hey guys, welcome to Random Stuffs, and today we're going to talk to you about whatever we're going to talk to you about,
1: and that is Micronations. So Micronations root from a guy named Emperor Norton. Emperor Emperor Norton's the greatest man of all time. He was born February 4th, 1818, in um, England, but he moved to San Francisco. And he claimed himself as the Emperor of the United States. Chris, doesn't that sound great already? No, you
0: know, any time when I'm considering about who to root, root, root for as greatest man of all time, Emperor of the United States, that's a good title. It's a good a good person to root for.
1: Yeah, alright. So he was born in England, uh, London and he moved to the United States and called himself the Emperor of the United States. Because he was just fed up with the legal and political structures of the United States. And then they thought it was funny, but he actually, you know, he called himself the protector of Mexico. And who wouldn't want to be the protector of Mexico? Especially right after the Mexican-American War. Oh, yeah. So, um, he wanted to, he worked to resolve this, try to resolve the Civil War. Mm-hmm. And he issued a mandate or both the Roman Catholic Church and Protestant Churches to proudly ordain him as emperor. But he was a visionary, you know? he's He wanted um, to see things that no other people could see. Like, he was the first person that pitched, uh, pitched the Golden Gate Bridge. You know, the bridge hmm. next to San Francisco and Oakland. So that this obviously leads to some controversy because people are protesting to get the Golden Gate Bridge's name changed to the uh, Emperor Norton Bridge. You know, I'd I'd go with that campaign. Who wouldn't? And then he would also he also pitched the idea of a tube, um, under the bay, which actually does exist now. The greatest visionary of his time. Yeah, he did some very imperial acts, and everyone knew him. He made his own money and people accepted it. Which was pretty great, you know? If you make your own money and people accept you know that you're the greatest man of all time. Yes,
0: yeah, so that's when you know you succeeded in life.
1: Yeah, and then uh, on the evening of January 8th, 1880, he collapsed in the corner of California Street and DuPont Street. While giving a lecture on his way to his lecture, and you know he died, and when he died, thirty thousand people lined the streets for his funeral. The end of an age, my friend. Mm-hmm. That it was very depresso when he died. I, I've never been more saddened than I am by that but
0: now by that news.
1: Afterwards, he's become immortalized in the works of. People like Mark Twain or Christopher Moore or my favorite author personally, Neil Gaiman. They all wrote about him in their books, which is pretty cool. Oh, yeah. And then uh, he's become the inspiration for a lot of the micronations that we are going to talk about today. So that's why it's a good starting point for us to talk about for Norton. By the way, Uh, his name is Joshua Abraham Norton. Yeah, was his official name name um is there anything you want to add to that chris i think think you just about got it i think i just got kind of about got it Mm-hmm. well i mean he is obviously the greatest man of all time uh, uh, a... what's your opinion he's... what's your honest opinion do you think we should rename the golden gate bridge to the Emperor norton bridge
0: honestly, I'm pretty sure that would just make our country number one of all time for the rest of the universe. I agree. That's
1: why we need to do it. Yep. So, yeah. Also, I forgot to mention one thing. He initially was a businessman, but lost his fortune uh, because he invested in rice from Peru.
0: Now, you know... If you have to invest in any one thing, Norton was actually very wise to invest in Peruvian rice. Cause you no,
1: you the... stupid.
0: He That caused his downfall of his wealth. No, but it was, it was the long con. You see, if that had not happened, he would not have come to America to become the emperor.
1: Yeah, I actually forgot to mention also that he spent most of his early life in South Africa. You and know, he sailed to San Francisco and after his father and mother died in eighteen forty eight. So I get a lot of good information, but at least I covered it. Hey, God got out there what needed to get out there. Yeah. So this guy was very influential for a lot of the things we're getting ready to talk about. So Chris, you wanna take it with the next thing we're gonna talk about?
0: Uh sure, my man. We I guess we could kick it off. First micronation we could talk about is the Principality of Sealand. This is one of the more well-known micronations out there. It's one of the oldest, the oldest we're going to be talking about today. Now, it is, some describe it as the single largest, smallest, excuse me, country in the world at around 12, hold on. It's uh, about 12 kilometers off the coast of England, and the entirety of the country
1: is one naval fort. Yeah, one naval fort that was made in World War Two. Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: there's a, a lot of fun stuff to talk about with sea land. I don't know if we're going to be able to get through all of it here, but we, we can at least get some, of these, some oh, of these facts.
1: We'll start with the beginning. Tell us how found it found Huh? Tell us the history of, of it. Why well, was it established?
0: Was, well, it was originally in World War II. It was called Fort Rose or Rose Tower. It was constructed by the UK to defend, like, shipping lanes from the German Navy and, like, mine aircraft. And it was essentially a floating pontoon made of two hollow towers and a big deck on top. Mm -hmm. And it was just stuck on a sandbar and the... and it was just left to float there. Hmm. Uh, But since it was technically at the time outside of the UK's influence, it was in international waters. So...
1: Uh, a family was, who... wasn't the rule. Wasn't the rule that, like, as far as a cannonball could shoot off, England is their uh, territory.
0: Yeah, the the like all the territory of
1: England, as far as
0: oceans and and the seas went, is so long as you. It was as long as a cannonball could be fired. But of course, they eventually changed it. But yeah, but mm, back then it was it was considered to be in international waters. And after a while, after World War II, they didn't really have a use for it anymore, so they unoccupied it, and it was just left essentially on its own for a while. But then, in 1965, Jack Moore and his daughter Jane began squatting there uh, for the wonderful radio station in London, that was actually its name. Is wonderful.
1: Yeah, that's pretty
0: wonderful. And it was it was a very wonderful radio radio station. And but so these two just began squatting there, and you know that was where they stayed for like and lived. But on. September the second, nineteen sixty-seven. The fort became occupied by one Major Paddy Roy Bates, and it was that was a British, you know, radio broadcaster, and he basically kicked the Moors out. And he was trying to, you know, broadcast his own radio station called Radio Essex from the naval platform, but. Despite, like, even though he had all the stuff there, he just never broadcast properly. But, but he did declare uh, independence. But he, he did declare independence and deemed Rose Tower to be the principality of Sealand. And that that is when this, the whole shebang officially began. And in 1968, uh, a few workmen entered... What was it at 78? Hmm. Wasn't it 78? No, this is, this is before that. Oh, this is before the attack, okay. Uh, A few British workmen had entered what Mr. Bates had claimed to be his, you know, his waters, you know, in yeah, the, was, pro- was, the was, property of Sealand. And like, they had gotten close to one of his navigational buoys that were next to the platform. And Michael Bates, which was Paddy Bates' son, he tried to scare the work- workmen off by firing shots from the fort. <laughs> now, as Bates was British at the time, he like technically he was still British, he was summoned to a court in England for, you know, shooting a gun. The firearms laws. Yeah. But the court ruled that technically... Since the platform which Bates was calling Bates was calling sealand was outside British territory limits, the case couldn't proceed since it didn't happen in england and so like the whole case was dissolved, <laughs> which Bates you know he sort of used that as a basis for sealand being its own nation and in nineteen seventy five Bates introduced a It's Sealand, its own constitution. And he even gave it its own national flag, national anthem, currency, and even passports. So if you wanted, you could get a passport for Sealand and you could go there if if the current residents allowed it.
1: That'd be cool. Oh, yeah. That'd be a good vacation. Go to the military fort and get a passport. Get some money.
0: Oh, things... Do get a little more serious. In the August of 1978, Alexander Achenbach, who described himself to be the prime minister of Sealand, hired several German and Dutch mercenaries to attack Sealand while Bates and his wife were in England. And they they drove up on speedboats, jet skis, helicopters, and they took Bates' son hostage. And now, Michael Bates, the Bates son, he was able to retake Sealand on his own and capture Aachenbach and the mercenaries using the weapons that were stashed on the platform. Aachenbach, who was a German lawyer and he held a Sealand passport, was charged with treason against Sealand and was held unless he paid seventy-five thousand DM, which I believe to be the uh, yeah, it's, it's the German mark. Yeah, it's the German currency. Which is about you know, thirty-five thousand
1: dollars US?
0: Yeah, or you know, twenty-three thousand pounds for the British people. Uh, the governments of the Netherland the Netherlands, Austria, and Germany all petitioned for Sealand to negotiate for Rockenbach's release. Yeah, that's but, a lot well, originally of originally um, they... national attention he's getting there. Oh yeah. And they originally tried to petition the British government, but, like, the, the UK, they essentially said, it's not it's not in England, we can't do anything about it. So Germany sent a diplomat from the London embassy to Sealand, trying to, you know, talk to them directly to let Aachenbach go. And eventually, after several weeks of, you know, rough negotiations... Bates relented and claimed that the diplomats visit, that sort of constituted as as a form of recogni- recognition by Germany that Sealand was its own nation. Hmm. And you, know, you can see where, like, a, bu- a lot of evidence seems to be piling up that you know, Sealand is is very
1: staunch in its, its own independence and, and authority. Yeah, you know? and like, It's really confusing because people don't claim, you know, these are independent countries. But in all intents and purposes, they are. It's just people don't recognize them, you know?
0: Yeah, like, according to all, like, the the official rules and doctorates and stuff, they are official nations. It's just none of the serious major nations recognize them, so no one counts them as real.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Mm. All right. So, we're running out of time for you for this, but uh, do you want to give a lightning round of what happened since that attack? <laughs> uh,
0: since that attack, it essentially just seems to be uh, not too terribly much. Uh, Didn't. In 1997, passports. so many passports were issued by Sealand the, the Bates family basically took everyone's passports away, even the ones that they had themselves had given to like anyone, and they took away everyone's passport. Uh, the platform did once catch fire due to a faulty electricity, and when was uh, that? UK, uh, six June twenty third. Uh. But uh, it got so bad a Royal Air Force helicopter uh, managed had to transfer someone to a hospital in uh, the UK,
1: which is kind of rough. Oh yeah, didn't uh, Roy Bates die?
0: Roy Bates did die,
1: not too terribly it was like long. Twelve, wasn't it?
0: Uh, yeah, not too terribly 29. long ago.
1: Uh, he had uh, Alzheimer's. So I'm while. guessing his son Michael uh, his... is now in charge.
0: Yeah, he, he's he's in charge there at the moment. Well, that's a great that's a great country uh, you got there, Chris. Uh, yeah. Alright, so that's all for that. Uh, you want to go ahead, Max, with uh,
1: the next yes, one we're talking, talking about today? Conquer public. Now, all of you American history people, listen up, because this is a very important event that happened. Okay, you got to talk about this. Very important. you got to tell all your friends, because this is the most important thing that ever happened in the world. Other than, of course, Emperor Norton, our Lord and Savior. So the Conquer public Yeah, I'd, I'd call this... Uh, is the Florida Keys. The Florida Keys were once blocked up on high, along Highway 1, making basically it really hard to get into um, the regular U.S. You had to go through uh, border controls just like you were going into a from a foreign nation. It was near, uh, if you ever go down, it's near uh, Last Chance Saloon, and uh, they were mad because they were subject to searches, you know, this they were treated like a foreign country, but they weren't. They were part of the U.S. So as protest, the mayor of Key West, his name was uh Ward-Low. He declared um, himself a prime minister of the Conquer Republic, immediately declared war on the U.S., and then broke a piece of stale Cuban bread over a head of the man dressed in a naval uniform. Now, if you get a random guy dressed in a naval uniform just to break a piece of bread over his head, and then they declared peace after this and demanded a billion dollars. Now, when this happens, you know, that that it happens every day, you know? Nothing special. Yeah, nothing special. You know? But then, 1995 came around, and the U.S. tried to invade them. This is this is this is horrible. U.S. tried to invade them on September twentieth, nineteen ninety five. The four hundred seventy eighth Civil Affairs Battalion of the United States Army Reserve was going to conduct a training exercise, acting like Key West was their own independent. I mean, was a different country, right? Like their own country. Mm-hmm. So they were going to invade Key West and acting like it was a different, completely different country. But the Commonwealth Republic was like, man, nah, can't do that. So what they did is they got some fire bolt boats and they shot water and they shot, of course, stale-keeping bread at people. And they eventually... Uh, the U.S. naval force eventually uh, surrendered. So Konkakopo technically won that battle. Now also... Gotta do what another you gotta thing do. they did was declare war on East Germany. And they didn't realize... They declared war on East Germany until after the, they forgot about it, but they remembered it after East Germany was destroyed. But then they realized there was an island off the coast of Cuba that was still part of, technically part of East Germany. So they were like, bro, we're still at war. We got to go fight them. They didn't go fight them, but they're still at war technically, and they still claim the island as part of East Germany, and they're still at war, which is pretty impressive if you think about it. Pretty long oh, yeah. war. But you can go there today, you can get your own passport, your own currency, I think. Yeah, you can get your own currency, and... Uh, and yeah, his name was Dennis Warlout Lordlow, and uh, they had a Secretary General named Sir Peter Anderson. And now, this Sir Peter Anderson, the only reason he was Defense uh, Secretary General was because he had experience as being a bodyguard at a Costco. Yeah, I think that qualifies. Yeah, I mean, you. I I would love to be the uh, chairman of defense after working, like, one year as a night guard at the Mastodian Museum, but, you know, stuff didn't work out like Well, that. I
0: mean, yeah, like, all the exhibits would come to life, that's sure to, that's sure to give you plenty I, of I experience. I think you
1: could take care of it, what do you think? I think you could do it. Um, uh, that's about it, but I have one more thing to say. We all have to live by the Conquer Public's motto, which is, it, The main motto they have is the mitigation of world tension through the exercise of humor. And if anyone knows us, me and Chris live by that standard, basically. We don't make people laugh. We don't make people uh, mad. We make them laugh.
0: Yeah, I mean, like, someone insults you. Someone's rude to you. Like, two people, they're, they're mad at each other. It's... It's not too difficult to just throw a joke joke out there, make everyone involved laugh, and once you're
1: laughing, it's it's hard to stay mad. Yeah, and also there, instrument it's called a con- uh, conchelli. It's basically a ukulele, but uh, the bass is like a conch shell. And that that must sound pretty cool. I want to go see one.
0: I want to yeah, own one. I'm going to play it.
1: All right. I think I'm done. I think I remembered everything. Did I cover everything? <laughs> uh, looks like looks it. Looks like it. All right. Well, Chris, do you want to take us on uh, Wongamongama?
0: Oh, yeah. We're up to our next Micronation, Wongamongama. Now, Wongamongama, I'm going to try and say that name as many times as I possibly can in this segment. It was originally a small town in New Zealand. And it lies right around Highway 43. Now, originally, it was one of these two sort of segregated areas uh, in New Zealand. Like, and the two areas, they were like separated by a barrier line. And they had two, like, the, or at least the main thing that Mungamans were concerned about is they had two rivaling sports teams.
1: Um, They were part of the Taranaki region, but they got moved to the Mungawato-Wanganugi region. And that made them really mad because their favorite rugby team was in the, the Taranaki region.
0: Yeah. And, of course, the region where they were moved, the Mo- Manawatu-Wanganabe region, was the rival team. And so they just completely refused to be a manwanger, <laughs> like the government want them, wanted them to. So they seceded from New Zealand and became their own nation. Yep, and they
1: still celebrate Republic Day to this day. <laughs>
0: the oh, yeah. uh, Republic day is they hold their you know presidential elections uh, uh, republic day it's a bi like, with a biannual election uh, it's uh the presidents of Wangamongama it's a va- <laughs> they're
1: they can be a little odd. With their choices, yeah, it
0: starts off
1: with their choices mm. and who they are as a person, or you know, you yeah, or not, or not.
0: Yeah. Uh, the first president that they had, he ran for for several terms. It was Ian Gistrip. Now, the the thing about good old Ian is he had no idea he was even on the ballot. For the first go round, but so essentially, he was essentially elected president, even though he didn't know he was running, and he managed to serve five terms, which is honestly pretty good. Oh yeah, I mean, well, no way a U.S. president get to run ten years, even if it was you know yeah. uh, in the Constitution. Who was
1: next in this great republic? <laughs>
0: Now, the next president we have was Billy Gumboot. It was Billy Gumboot. Now, the first thing you might notice about Billy is he was a goat. Are you serious? Now, he won. Yes, Billy was a goat. Mm-hmm. He was the first animal that that was elected in Wangamongama. And he won through such a massive landslide. It was it was almost funny. Like, none of the other competitors even came close. Mm. How odd. Now, I think one of the main reasons that this happened was one of the policies that Ian Gestrip had put into place was that on Republic Day, you could come... And get and for three dollars you could get a passport to make yourself an honorary wangamongaman citizen. And that would give you full voting rights. So every two years like tons of people were coming to Wangamongama to and just paying their three dollars so that they could vote on the president. I don't think
1: it was that. Do you know what I think it was? I think, what do you I think, think it he was ate the ballots. I think the go ate the ballots in order to win.
0: Yeah, there, there. That was there. was some massive speculation about that. That he, yes, uh, a lot of people in Wangamoa like speculated a bit of corruption in that he ate all of Ian's ballots mm-hmm. and and all the other candidates.
1: So what happened in this great term? Uh,
0: he was, you know, nothing. Too much as far as, as policies go, it's pretty hard as a goat to to make new policies in the true, country. True. But he did only get to serve for eighteen months before he died. Hmm. And so that, that was that was pretty sad.
1: So, so who's next up to that?
0: Now the next president we have Wong Mongama, it was Tia. You know, uh, it's not not too uncommon a name. Plenty of people have it. Oh, the the thing about Tia is Tia was a poodle.
1: <sighs> poodle. I love
0: it. Long, long, long. Seriously, it people? was a poodle. After the goat, it's only natural that you elect a poodle. What else? Now, the thing that happened with Tia the poodle is he was attacked in the, in the second year of his presidency by a Mastiff in what some call an assassination attempt. Now, he did manage to survive, but he was left mentally unfit to serve, and so his owners took over the remainder of his, his term. Mm-hmm. And he did die in 2010, only six years after he was retired from office,
1: so a goat, a poodle. What's next? What uh, What could be next?
0: Myrtle the Myrtle turtle. Myrtle the turtle.
1: And what, do I, what else? Myrtle would the turtle.
0: Now, the one, the one strange thing about Mert, you know, Myrtle the turtle, is that it was a person. <laughs>
1: So he was a person named Myrtle,
0: and called
1: it Myrtle the Turtle.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, you gotta go, you gotta pull, you gotta keep the street going. True, true. So you got, you got Mert, good old Mert. Now, Mert, he owned a garage, but the the main thing that Myrtle did what was his happened. That? Yeah, yeah, it was. It happened during his competition to get the presidency. It was between the first president, Ian Jestrip, and a crossdresser named Mir- Miriam. I won't say. I won't say named, but called Miriam. It, he managed to get reelected in two thousand and nine by one vote. <laughs> one vote is all it took to to get him the presidency. Never underestimate the power of one vote, people. You could have another year of Martin. You could. And he managed to get reelected once again in 2011 in a massive landslide. But he, sadly, he died in New Plymouth Hospice in 2015. Mm-hmm.
1: And that was the end of his. So we'll go to a poodle and a guy named Guy who went by a turtle. What's next? A woman? No. Yes. <laughs> it gets crazier and
0: uh, crazier. It just gets crazier and crazier the more you talk about it. It's Vicky Pratt, it who's the first female elected as Wangamong's president, and the the main thing that, that I think got her a lot of votes is she runs the who local pub. Love, who doesn't love the So their she's beers. Yeah, I mean she, she she managed to get all the voters drunk the night of the election. And, and I think that that's what really put her through. And the current president of Wangamongama is named John Hirelli. Heer, and and not, nothing too much has happened under his reign. It's just, you know, keeping it's the country on and forgot in, to as, research the Alright, but that that's about it for the, the great nation of Wangamongamba. You you take us away with our our next micronation, Molassia. Uh, Molassia,
1: Molassia. This is also American history. I don't know why I got stuck with all the American ones. But um Republic of Malaysia. Yeah, it was a micronation in the United States, founded by Kevin Baugh and headquartered near his home in Dayton, Nevada. It's not recognized by any country in the United Nations. And you can visit there today. Oh, you can?
0: Is there something you need to do? Do you have to, like, do you need to call first? I think you need to call first, but
1: you can visit. Wait, I messed up. (laughs) Conquer Republic did not declare war on East Germany. Uh, well, uh Malaysia did. I apologize for my mistake. But everything I said applies here with the uh, declared war on East Germany. I sincerely apologize. Hmm.
0: So Malasia, what, 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 what led up to Malasia well, declaring war.
1: How did it start? It off? was a micronation childhood project. You know, as a child, he wanted to. One, uh, and he called it the Grand Republic of Waldstein, founded by Ba and James Spielman on May 26, 1977. It was run and populated by King James I, James Spielman, and Prime Minister Ba. although James soon left Waldstein. Ba used his name for semi-nomadic kingdoms. He traveled through Europe, You know, moved, he moved around. Molasio was a member of the United Provinces of Utopia three on September 3, 1999. Created it a successful country of declared and himself president. And then uh, his territory is um, th- three properties that are owned by him, and it's about 6.3 acres, uh, located near Dayton, Nevada. Now, they have a currency called the Flor- Fliora which is subdivided into 100 a, a flirtists and pegged at the resale value of Pillsbury cookie dough. Now, you heard of the gold standard. How about the cookie dough standard? The cookie dough standard so, is same same thing as the gold standard, but you can trade in your money. You can trade in, I think, one tube of Pillsbury cookie dough for $3 of their currency. Which is pretty good. You know, that's a pretty good deal.
0: Do you know if it works with any me- type of measurement other than a tube? I'm not sure.
1: We need to go ask. Him. But another thing happened. They also had a war. And if you know anything about YouTube, there's a guy named Nostalgia Critic. He took over Holasia. Which, you know him, it's not that surprising. I'm, su- I'm assuming you know who Nostalgia Critic is, Chris. Oh, yes. of course. So it was about 2010. He, he invaded it and captured Ba and became uh, the king and renamed it, well, the dictator. He renamed it Kikassia. Of course. and You know, what else could you possibly name your country? He ruled it for three days until Ba came back and took it back, basically. And Alamasia does exist. You can go visit it and you can go get three dollars for a tube of the finest Pillsbury cookie dough.
0: Has Malasia made any attempts to say contact the uh, other micronations like the Conquer Public?
1: I believe they tried to organize a Olympics if I'm not mistaken. An Olympics it sounds for about right. micronations and I, I I forgot to research it again, but I believe it went well, I don't know how many uh, countries showed up but you know um
0: I believe it was it was around six uh nations in total competed.
1: do you know do you know any of
0: them uh I don't I cannot remember off the top of my head any of the specific Micronations that competed, although I, m- I do know that Molossia ended up heading the-, the pack with the most medals by the end.
1: Yeah. Well, you know what I love about these Micronations, Chris? I what? love their mottos. All of them have different mottos. We haven't been talking about a lot of them because a lot-, a lot of them don't. Like, Sealand's is... um. Latin, I think, which means from the sea, freedom. But Molossae is not as good as the Public, but it's pretty good. It says, nothing ventured, nothing lost, which is words to live by. Oh, yeah. If I didn't miss anything and there's nothing to discuss, you can go ahead with the longest name we have here today, the gay and lesbian kingdom of the Coral Sea Islands.
0: Now, the gay and lesbian kingdom of the Coral Sea Islands, uh, we can just call it the The Gay and Lesbian Kingdom. Now, it is, it it all started off, it's off the coast of Australia, and it all started off when the Australian government, because for the longest time, the Australian government had banned uh, same-sex marriages for a while, and it had seemed to be that it, they would be legalized and, and they they if I remember correctly they were briefly legalized for about a day or so, but then the the government quickly clamped down on that and they were banned once more and any marriages that had taken place during that time period were be to be considered completely null and void mm-hmm. so a bunch of these gay and lesbian people went and essentially decided that they were done and they left Australia on the gay flower.
1: The gay flower?
0: Yeah.
1: On the A gay flower. Life.
0: And they went to the Coral Sea Islands, of which no, uh, completely none of them are inhabited. I believe the most
1: inhabited one has like two four. people on it.
0: Four people, excuse me.
1: God. So now you completely mixed up the um, a battle between two different micronations, like you did, like I did with Malassia and the con- go continue. I, I'm done with my rant about my yeah. stupidity. <laughs> oh, it's
0: it's all good, my man. Uh, the most of the you know the goings on of the Gay Lesbian Kingdom happen on the largest island, Cato Island. And the leader of the protesters, Dale Anderson, was elected administrator of that territory and was then declared emperor of the entire gay and lesbian kingdom uh, as soon as it became independent. Now, other than any of the, the protesters in the gay and lesbian kingdom, Australia does not recognize any other uh, inhabitants, and sadly, no no, Australia nor any other world government officially recognizes the gay and lesbian kingdom as an independent So country. let me guess. They declared war? They did declare war. What else would they do? What else could you possibly do in that, in that situation?
1: What else could you
0: do? They... They declared war on Australia. But how did they
1: get the money for that war?
0: Well, they started making stamps and coins and, and like like their currency and such. And they made unique coins and stamps, and they sell those on their website.
1: Mm. Uh, so what happened with the war?
0: Now in the war. Nothing too incredibly violent happened. I'm, I'm sure several uh, LGBT protesters may or may not have started a couple of bar fights in, you know, in the name of the gay and lesbian kingdom. Mm, yeah. But, but it seems to be that, uh, excuse me. Didn't
1: they just declare, didn't? Australia recently declared that gay marriage was legal.
0: Yeah, they did. Uh, and after that, a lot of support for the gay and lesbian kingdom sort of died down. <laughs> since, you know, there's no real point in having your own kingdom. If it's it's legal once again in your home Wasn't country. Wasn't
1: it uh, dissolved? Or something?
0: It, it was officially dissolved. I'm sure several of the protesters still stay on Cato Island. Hmm. But l- like before, none of the inhabitants are recognized by any of the countries.
1: Do you know when it was
0: dissolved? Uh, it appears to be November 17th, 2017. So really
1: recently. Oh yeah, less than just a couple months that's ago. That's shocking that we missed that. Mm-hmm. Is there anything else you need to talk about?
0: Uh I don't believe too many other things happened here. It was essentially uh people went there and it it was, it was sort of like a fraternity with you know every everyone was was banded together and and they just sort of lived. Hmm.
1: That's pretty great.
0: Alright, since I'm done there, why don't you go ahead and talk about our next Micronation on the list. Our next Micronation is a very,
1: sh- relatively short Micronation. We're not going to talk spend too much time on this because, you know, it's not, doesn't have too much information on it. But it's called the Kingdom of Lovely. How lovely?
0: I've never heard of a more lovely kingdom.
1: Um, it was founded... It's a partly internet-based micronation that claims its territory is East London Flat and owned and once lived by Danny Wallace, the comedic writer, that has 58,165 citizens registered on its website. Um, it was, the official territory is the flat. But you can declare any room as part of Lovely by just sending a picture with the Lovely flag. The Lovely flag is pretty great. It's just pink and purple, right? Pink and purple stripes going like an X. And it's like really all centered on the flag. And it annoys the crap out of me. But I can't do it. With yeah, hands. it's
0: sort of like in the bottom left.
1: What do you
0: say? The, the X, you know, just sort of in the bottom left. Just really off-kilter.
1: <sighs> Makes me salty. they their motto. Is Latin is "di duhiu fringior," which means "have a nice day."
0: <laughs> well, I mean, what what other motto could you could you possibly exactly?
1: Need? But it has a very interesting story behind it. Uh, um they it was founded in a TV show. You know the name of the TV More show. You show. It was called "How to Start Your Own Country." <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, and um, I, uh, he, while it was up, you know, people were people in Ireland rejected the currency, so he tried to invade UPI Island in London, but you know, kind of got shot down. He was forced to call it off after, uh, after a while. After much Metropolitan the police got involved.
0: Oh no, not the cops!
1: Micronation's worst, worst fear. Um, as Invent Nation, on January first, two thousand five. After talking to the people of Sealand and Dennis Hope, who claims to own the moon. So I mean people you need to talk to
0: you know, you know only only the only the required speech you know you couldn't get you couldn't go a day without talking yep. to them
1: and then um well, he attempted to um submit his own comp- uh, song stop the mugging start the hugging into the Eurovision song contest but it was kicked out saying they're not their own country because they don't have a, they, they got kicked out because they have no national television or radio station of its own. So they couldn't join the European Broadcasting Union. Wallace then submitted it to the BBC, which was then kicked out. They were, the judges were impressed. But they actually do have more um, citizens than you would think. They have more citizens of Vatican City, Monaco, Liechtenstein, which is pretty great.
0: Now, since they have so many citizens in such a dense area, just no, one flats.
1: A website you can just You can just go on there and sign up to be a citizen. But, but... Sadly, that website's been turned off, just kind of destroyed, deactivated, whatever you want to call it. But.
0: Oh, uh, yeah, I forgot the the flat was a uh, very unofficial territory.
1: Yeah. So I think that, that was a short one. It's pretty amusing. But I think that's it. Do you guys all right, all right. you want to take us off of our final one?
0: All right, I guess I'll cap us off here today. With Liberland. Now, Liberland is its official name is the Free Republic of Liberland. It was it's a micronation, and it's claiming it's, it has an actual territory this time. It's a tiny little parcel uh, of land that was had gone completely unclaimed for some reason between two. Separate, Separated areas in Yugoslavia. It's right off the coast of the, N- the Nube River. And that river had been used as a dividing line for two of the major sep- sections in Yugoslavia. Which is Croatia and
1: Serbia, I believe.
0: Yeah, Croatia and, Ser- and Serbia. And neither, for some reason, neither of these groups had claimed the land.
1: I think it's because and... they both were living by, like, what they claimed was their land. And both of them did not claim this little ship of land. Which was really weird. Oh, yeah. How big was this land, Chris?
0: Uh, About seven square kilometers hmm. in total. Damn. Oh, yeah. It was called Sega. Hmm. It was just a really small little
1: little parcel. Alright, what's the history about this, Chris? Why is it... Why do we care? Well, it was uh, originally, you know, just
0: this completely uninhabited area until this one guy he had a really yugoslavian name vit? we're going to call him it... yes yeah, vit vit jelika we're just going to call him vit for the purpose of this so uh, we don't have he went to so people don't
1: laugh at us for pronouncing his name wrong
0: well, vit he went to siga and he you know he raised a flag there and declared it its own country, the Free Republic of Liberland. What is the flag made up of? The flag, it's just a black, like, it's it has a yellow black drop, and that was supposed to symbolize like, libertarianism, hence the name Liberland.
1: Oh, I I get it now. I get it now. And it
0: has a black stripe running uh, through the center, like, horizontally. And it has a symbol, and of course the black stripe, that was supposed to sort of symbolize rebellion, of how he was rebelling against Croatia and Serbia, and like most of the established norms by establishing his own country. Yeah. And he made his own coat of arms, and he put that in the center, sort of covering up the yellow, uh, a bit of the yellow backdrop and the black stripe. Hmm. And interestingly enough, Vit was a member of the Czech Party of Free Citizens, which bases most of its values on classic liberal ideologies.
1: So, why was he claiming that this territory was his?
0: He claimed, he said that the border that had been defined in accordance with both Croatian and Serbian border claims didn't interfere at all with Siga and left Siga completely out of it. And so he said that since it was unclaimed land, he had he went and he claimed it for his own,
1: and he, he claims that he had every right to. Yeah, I'm guessing Croatia and Serbia didn't like that. In,
0: nah, not really. They They... Uh, I believe they ignored him Maybe they called him a joke uh, until they, they they ignored him for a couple a couple months but in May of 2015 Croatian authorities have blocked access a couple times to the area because and even in the May again, again in May of 2015, Vit and his translator Sven had been detained by the Croatian police after they made an attempt to cross the border, and that made Vit spend one night in in a detention area, and he was then convicted and ordered to pay. He had to pay a fine for crossing, like illegally crossing the Croatian border, but he managed to appeal the verdict. And since he claimed that there were at least three Liberland citizens in the area that had come from Switzerland. Uh, later, later in May, they'd have been detained again, once again, for trying to cross the border into Croatia. Now, Very at greedy. first, oh, oh yeah, it's, it's, it's real insane how, how touchy both of these countries get.
1: I have a question though. Yeah. Uh, do any countries recognize this country as their own? Like, say the main problem with these micronations is no other big country recognizes these countries as a real thing, which is makes them not a country. Is there any uh, recognition they have? Uh,
0: well, so, m- most of the legal experts in in Serbia and Croatia, they have maintained. That Vitz claim isn't wasn't exactly legal. A lot of uh, Serbian and Croatian officials have you know stood up for him and said that he does have every right to claim this land, and and that's sort of fighting for his own recognition.
1: Well, if you don't mind, I uh, I got a few say a few things. Uh, I, I go right on found about this while you we were talking. <laughs> um, people do recognize it, of course. Croatia, Serbia, Egypt, Czech Republic, Poland—all these people don't recognize it because who would recognize such thing? Croatia made jokes about it. Um, Somaliland, which is a self-declared state from Somalia, became uh, recognizes it, and they were recognize them. Um, Capel's Party in Norway, the Libertarian Party in Spain, the Swiss Independence Party, the Liberal Democratic Party in Turkey, and the Libertarian Party of Canada all do acknowledge that this country exists. Also, Kingdom of Ner- uh, some other micronations, like the people we didn't talk about, like the King of North uh, Sudan, who claims the Bir wheel area of the border between Egypt and Sudan as his some country. recognized them. Enclavia uh, recognizes them. And T-Land, of course, recognizes them. And I think that if I missed any, if I don't think I missed anything, but you can get uh, not that I've citizenship it. and you can get currency and you can get um, like passport. But um, their motto is to live and let live. And I think mm-hmm. that's about it with this one.
0: Uh, well, I guess you could say one more thing was uh, that after Liberland had become an he, well, I'll, I'll say official, like an official micronation, he got so many re- requests for citizenship in such a short span of time that if he had accepted all of them, he, uh, with his such a small surface area. He would have been the single most densely populated country on Earth, mm-hmm. topping India.
1: Topping India?
0: Adds... Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Damn. Excuse me. Uh, Pardon my French. All right, go, go, go right on ahead. Uh, he would even made a contest for, like, young architects to see if anyone could create any sort of infrastructure in this seven kilometer square kilometer area that could come even close to supporting so many people and eventually the winner uh, of that contest had created a sort of stacked design where it was like buildings and roads all sort of stacked on top of each other and that could all be powered from a swamp
1: pretty interesting Alright, Chris. I'm sorry to break you off, but I think we're going to have to start ending it, wrapping it up. Yeah, that's, that's all all I really have to say for now. Um, So I hope you guys enjoyed. I would like to ask you something. We're going to ask a question to you guys, and we would link some responses. If you see us in real life, just tell us in real life. <laughs> or comment it, or whatever you can do. Podcasting is our first podcast, so we wouldn't know. Do you consider micro nations a country and if so i mean or what do you what are your guidelines for making a country do you need to be recognized what do you need what do you need to be considered a country um and i hope you guys enjoyed you learned a lot of things about sea land Conquer public Wangamongama, malasia gay and lesbian kingdom of the coral sea um lovely Liberland, and of course lord and savior emperor norton and Chris, do you have anything else to say?
0: I think that about wraps us up.
1: All right. All right. Well, I guess I'll see you guys in the next episode where we don't know what we're going to talk about next.
0: But that's the fun thing about random stuff, so you never know what we're going to say. See you later.